Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, share with the person next to you. Tell your neighbor, thank you for sharing your Bible with me. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, the final part of the last hour. We're going to read a few verses today. Is that okay? Beginning in verse 1. If you don't have a Bible, we're going to put it up on the screens. The Word of God says this. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together with Him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us. See the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And you know what is restraining him now so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. Come on, somebody. Jesus is bad. Verse number nine, the coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that they may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. We're gonna read a few more verses. Verse 13, but we ought to always give thanks to God for you, brothers, Beloved by the Lord, because God chose you. Come on, because God chose you. Because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, Paul's preaching. So then, brothers, stand firm. And hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself, the God of our Father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, come for your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. Amen and amen. Come on, give me thank God. Second Thessalonians. Paul went in on that chapter. What does that all mean? Today we're finalizing this series, The Last Hour. We've been talking about uh, the last hour, the last days, the Antichrist or the Antichrist spirit. We've mostly been focusing on the Antichrist spirit. Week one, we actually defined that and what it is. And if, if you missed it, you should go back and hear it. Week two, we actually said that the Antichrist spirit sometimes begins in us. We're rebellious and we want to be anti-God. We want to do everything God tells us. And so it actually begins with us. 
week number three, last week we talked about the Antichrist spirit against the Word of God, and there's a war going on against the Word of God, and we talked about that last week. Today, I want to finish this series with the Antichrist spirit against the church of Jesus Christ. And I think Paul is going to encourage us today that we belong to something that God is building. Can I get an amen? If you're taking notes, a lot of us take notes here in church. We talk about this in our small groups and in our dream team. Today, I've titled this message, The Security of the Church. The Security of the Church. That's right. Can I get an amen? The Security of the Church. Look at a few people around you and tell them, I'm secure. I'm secure. I'm secure. Slap somebody next to you. Let's talk about this for about 25, 26 minutes. Then we're going to worship Jesus and go outside, have some popcorn, some snow cones, watch the dolphins beat the bears, and have an amazing Sunday. Amen? Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you. We love you. Thank you for this day. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you, God, for your love, your kindness, your compassion, your mercy. I pray that today you would speak to us, open up our eyes. Holy Spirit. May you come and speak to our hearts, minds, and eyes. Open up our eyes so that we may see you and know you better. We love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name that all of God's people say. Come on, all of God's people say. Can you make some noise for Jesus one more time? Muhammad Ali was known and possibly arguably known as the best boxer of all time. Muhammad Ali was bad. He was, he was unstoppable. There was four occasions where he did get knocked down. On, Mar- on March 24 of 1975, Ali was coming off the second time he won the heavyweight title champion. And he was up against this fighter called Chuck Wepner. Muhammad Ali came in as the heavyweight champion and Wepner came in as a fighter who was known as the king of dirty fighting. We have the king of the ring versus the king of dirty fighting. And uh, they went at it. The fight began and everybody was talking about this fight. They wanted to see what was going to happen. And, and they all began to unleash punches on each other. And it was an intense fight. The ninth round came around. And Chuck Wepner in the ninth round decides to step on Ali's foot. And as he does, he punches him, knocking him down to the ground. And everybody thought, Wepner has defeated Ali. In fact, Wepner himself thought he won the fight. It is said that Wepner turns around to his corner and he tells his corner, start the car. We're headed to the bank. We're millionaires. One of the trainers in his corner tells him, you better turn around because your guy is getting up and he looks angry. Muhammad Ali didn't stay down, but he got back up on his feet and he began to fight relentlessly. Three rounds later, knocked out Wepner and won the fight. It is actually the fight that inspired the movie Rocky. Muhammad Ali didn't stay down, but he got back up. I think throughout history, the church of Jesus Christ has been knocked down. We have been abused. We have been beaten to a pulp. They have knocked us out. They have smoked us out of buildings. They have stomped on the church of Jesus. 
They have tried to eviscerate and eliminate the church of Jesus. You just look back through the centuries at the persecutions. It began in AD 35 with Stephen the martyr. And this year alone, 2,500 Nigerian Christians have died in Nigeria, all for the gospel of Jesus Christ. The church of Jesus has been knocked down, has been punched, has hit the ring, and it looks like it has been defeated and the fight has been over. The world is angry, the Antichrist spirit is angry, and it has unleashed an assault against the church of Jesus throughout history. And many times it looked like the church was done. And in my mind, I suppose Satan has turned around and told his corner and his kingdom, start the car. This fight is over. Until one of the demons in his corner tells him, turn around. Because the church of Jesus Christ has not stayed down. Oh, come on. But the church of Jesus, I wonder if I got a witness, if you're thankful for the church. Throughout history, we haven't stayed down in the mat, but throughout the centuries, come on somebody, we've gotten back up on our feet. And where it looks like persecution came to end us, it actually came to propel us into the destiny and the calling that God has had for the church of Jesus Christ. Anybody thankful for the church? I wonder if there's two, three, four people that you're thankful that you belong to a body that can't be knocked out. I might have been knocked down, but I haven't been knocked out. I belong to the church of Jesus Christ, and I may have been down, but I'm up on my feet. Come on. Slap somebody and tell them the security of the church. Pressure. There's been a whole lot of pressure against the church. Pressed on every side where it looks like the church was going to close down its doors. It's over. What Jesus said is false, but yet we see that it's persevered through the pressure. I wonder if you can persevere through the pressure against your own life. Some of us were under pressure today. Yeah, yeah, we're here in church, but, but we're surrounded by pressure. Our minds are pressured. Our souls are pressured. Our spirits are Have you ever been pressured by life? Where life just pressures you and it's, it's wearing you out. It has you tired. Here's the thing about pressure. Pressure either breaks you or makes you. Pressure either makes you or breaks you. It is said that pressure breaks pipes. It's because of the pressure in the pipe that the pipe bursts. And some of us, our lives have been bursted by the pressure. Maybe our marriage was, was pressured and it burst. Maybe our financial life was pressured and it bursted our spirit, our soul, our, our, our finances, our health, our life, our relationships. You ever been under pressure? I'm pressured. I'm here and I'm trying to worship, but I'm under pressure. I'm trying to focus on God, but I'm under pressure. Life has a way of pressuring us. And when the, the pipes of our soul are broken or burst, it leaves us actually disconnected. A pipe that is pressured and broken is a pipe that has been disconnected from the source. And some of us today, we've been disconnected from the life-giving source that is God. Because life has pressured us. I've been there. I don't know if you've been there, but life leaves you so pressured that you now feel disconnected. And can I tell you, that is the antichrist spirit. It wants to disconnect you from the body of Jesus Christ, from the life-giving source that God is doing, what he is building on church. The pressures of life come to disconnect you. I'm tired. Can't nobody understand. Don't talk to me about no team fest. 
Don't talk to me about no dream team. I'm pressured and can't nobody understand. And that is the sole intent of the enemy of the soul to leave us disconnected, detached from what God is building. And all of a sudden we find ourselves isolated, living by ourselves. Don't nobody know what we're going through. Nobody to pray for us, nobody to encourage us, nobody to be there for us because we're disconnected and detached from what God is building. Today, can I tell you, you need to connect yourself to the body of Jesus Christ. You need to connect yourself to what God is building because if God said he's going to build something, I want to be connected to that because as long as I'm connected to that, I'm going to be okay. Can I get an amen? Oh, the church of Jesus Christ, it's not perfect, but it's his bride. It's not always pretty, but it's his bride. And he's working on it. He's building it. He's giving light to it. You better connect yourself to the body because as long as you're connected to the body, you'll have life in your veins. You'll have life in your spirit. You'll have life in your soul. Anybody glad you're connected to the body of Jesus Christ? Be careful what you connect yourself to. I put it this way today, your connection determines your direction. What you are connected to determines where you are headed to. What are you connected to? Who are you connected to? If you want life in your spirit and your soul, I do church by myself. You can't do church by yourself. The church is a body of believers that pray for one another, challenge one another. Get on each other's nerves, but it works to sanctify us. And how can I get an amen? amen. Some of you are like, this neighbor right here is actually on my nerves right now. <laughs> the church is beautiful. And God is building his church, and you need to be connected to that thing. Don't let pressure disconnect you because the church has been knocked down, but never knocked out. Church has been knocked down, but never knocked out. He's building his church. Paul is giving such a beautiful picture of the church. You need to go home and you need to read first and second Thessalonians. They are two absolutely beautiful letters and sometimes we skip over them. They're tiny, they're small, they get lost in between the pages. But if you go home and study them, you'll see what Paul is doing in these letters. He loves this church in a city called Thessalonica. This is a church that actually he started if we want to understand why Paul loves this church, we have to go back to Acts chapter 17. Because in Acts chapter 17, we get the history behind the church. I love the Bible. Anybody thankful for the Bible? If you go to Acts chapter 17, you realize that one day, Paul and Silas ended up in Thessalonica. And when they were there, Paul immediately went into the synagogues and started preaching Jesus. Now, he caused an uproar. People were up in arms and they wanted to actually eliminate Paul. They wanted to kick him out of the city. And three weeks later, they kicked him out. He was only there for three weeks. But he took an advantage of the time God gave him in the city. He said, I may only be here for three weeks, but I'm not going to waste a day of my time. Which I think speaks to us. And what are we doing with the time that God has given us? Oh, come on. Let's take a moment this morning to think about what are we doing? Are we maximizing the time that God has given us on earth? Whether he gives us 50 years, 60 years, 70 years. I got to make the most of my time because I only have one life. And with the one life he gives me, with every single breath, I want to I live it for God's glory. I want to build God's church. I want to be a part of what God is building. Don't waste no time. Can I get an amen? 
We're living in a, in a culture and society that is wasting time every single day. We are on TikTok and Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and we're talking and gossiping and, and, and all of a sudden time is flying and we're wasting it. I'm a part of all of that. I love social media, but, but I got to be careful that it doesn't waste my time. Something you've got to be aware of. Paul is only in this city for three weeks, max four, until they kick him out. And in those three weeks, he preached the gospel every single day. He took advantage of the time God had given him. After three, four weeks, they literally said about Paul and Silas, you guys are turning this city upside down. And they kicked them out of the city. How crazy must Paul and Silas have been? They were preaching Jesus any moment they could. I want that to be said about Calvary. I don't know what's going down there in South Miami, but that church is turning this city upside down. Oh, come on. There's something different about that church. They're turning the city upside down with the way they give, with the way they worship, with the way they praise, with how generous they are, with how they take it. They're turning this city upside down. They keep talking about this Jesus. Anybody thankful for Jesus this morning? Oh, come on. Let's talk about Jesus until our city is upside down, which is really right side up because the world is upside down. All we're doing is turning it right side up. And they said, get out of our city now. And they kicked Paul and Silas out of the city. You got to read Acts chapter 17. They actually have to hide Paul because they wanted to kill him. I won't be like Paul, Lord. They wanted to kill Paul. And so they have to hide him and they take him away from the city. But his three weeks were so fruitful. And he made such effort with his time that a church started immediately. A bunch of believers started growing by the day. By the time he leaves, there's a church there. And he leaves a church in the city of Thessalonica. And so he has to leave. And sometime later, Paul is longing to see them. It looks like the three weeks were absolutely amazing. And Paul's like, oh, I wonder how this church is doing. I'm longing to see them. So he sends Timothy to go visit this church. Are you following along this morning? He sends Timothy. Timothy is his student, his protege. It's basically his son in the faith. And he's like, go check on this church. I can't make it. He literally says, Satan is stopping me from going to visit this church. So you go visit this church. Timothy goes and he sees how the church is doing. And he spends some time with them. He gets back to Paul. And, and he tells Paul, Paul, this church is thriving. Oh, this church is amazing. They have growth track. They have heart for the house. They're, they're, Lisa's there. She did an incredible job. And she's just a leader building the church. They had team fest when I was there. And it was, it was absolutely amazing. The church is, grind, is growing, is thriving. But there's a problem, Paul. There's a problem in the church. Because since you left, Paul, many believers thought that Jesus was going to come back immediately. And they were waiting for Jesus to reappear. Because the Bible does tell us that Jesus is coming back for his church. I don't know how you grew up. I don't know what they've, been, what they've taught you. I don't know what kind of church you went to. But I want to tell you, Jesus is coming back to set up his kingdom and to rule here on earth. One day, the sky is going to split. And Jesus is going to appear in glory. And he's coming back to rule and reign. Anybody thankful that Jesus is coming back? It's a fact. Whether we believe it or not, it's, it's happening. Jesus is coming back. And so they thought Jesus was coming back in their lifetime. In fact, they thought that Jesus was coming back a few weeks after Paul left. And so they stayed waiting for Jesus. And some of them started dying because of old age or disease or different reasons. And they're like, oh, what, what happens to our loved ones? Some of my family members died. Some of my friends have died. And Jesus is not coming back yet. And so there's a problem in the church. And so the first letter 
of Thessalonians, Paul is addressing this. And he's saying, hey, 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 listen. Jesus has not come back yet. And those who have died, they are not dead. They are only asleep. He says, this is why we mourn differently than those that don't have Jesus. Because they don't have a hope. But those of us who die in Christ, we are only asleep underground. And when Jesus reappears, they are going to be the first to resurrect. Meet Jesus in the air. And then we're going up to party with them as Jesus comes to rule and reign. So he says we mourn differently. If you're here today and you've lost a loved one, a family, or a friend, you can mourn. But you also have hope on the inside. It's not goodbye forever. It's I'll see you later. Because when Jesus shows up, oh, come on, I got hope. I will see them again. Jesus, he's the firstborn of the resurrection, and we follow order. Death is no longer the end for any of us in here today if we're followers of Jesus. Our body is asleep until Jesus comes back. It changes the way we process death when we follow Jesus. Our spirit goes to reign with Jesus while our bodies are asleep. And when Jesus comes back, there is going to be a party. Now, Paul addresses this in the first letter. And they get, okay, they're good, they're good, they get it. A few months later, some scholars believe no less than 12 months later, he has to write a second letter because now there's a second problem in the church of Thessalonica. How many of y'all know churches have problems? How many of you know sometimes we're the problem? Amen. Then the second one. Uh, no. <laughs> now, what's happening in the church now is that they are under pressure. Somebody say pressure. They are under persecution and pressure. Remember, Christians have been hated on. Christians have been persecuted, killed. They've hated us. They've hated the church of Jesus. And so this church in Thessalonica is under pressure. And they're saying, Paul, Timothy, somebody tell us what's going on. Now I guess Jesus is coming because we feel the wrath of God. That's what the day of the Lord means. The wrath of God being poured out on earth and Jesus is about to come. And they're like, oh, did, did we miss Jesus is coming? Because we're under tribulation and wrath. And some of them literally thought that Jesus was about to reappear, so they quit their jobs. They literally went into their boss and like, I quit. Jesus is coming back tonight. I quit. They stopped working. <laughs> Promise you, you got to read it. They stopped working. They're like, Jesus is coming back tonight. Tonight. I'm not working anymore. I'm done. And a day goes by, or two, three, four, a week goes by, a month goes by, and it's like, oh, when are you going to get a job? Jesus is not coming back. At least right now. And so Paul has to write this, and he has to address this. Are you following along, church? Second Thessalonians is addressing this. Chapter 2, he starts to talk about this specifically. And he talks about end times. He talks about the last hour, and he says, hey, listen. Listen, the end is not here yet. It's just the beginning of end times. And he gives them clear signs on what will happen in the end. It's good for all of us to know. He says, when, when Jesus is about to come back, there's going to be a rebellion, he says. In the Greek, it's not just any rebellion, it's the rebellion. The great rebellion. What it means is apostasy. There's going to be a falling away of the church. Many in the church are going to believe that Jesus is not Lord. And they're going to fall away. They're going to turn on their own people and walk away from the faith. We've seen that throughout history. There's been a lot of rebellions, but he says there's going to be the great rebellion. We, we've seen that today. You, you get on any social media platform, there's a bunch of people who used to be Christians talking about, no, I'm, I deconstructed my faith. Be careful with that. To deconstruct is to destroy, and I'm not destroying what God has started in me. 
I'm, I'm gonna study, I'm gonna prepare myself, but I'm not deconstructing nothing. And so he says, there's gonna be a big, great rebellion. Number one. Number two, he says, the man of lawlessness will be revealed. Who is he talking about? He's talking about the Antichrist. And he's gonna say, there's this end time figure that is coming. John calls him the Antichrist. Paul here calls him the man of lawlessness. He's gonna appear and he's gonna take his seat in the temple of God. Many of us believe that means the church. He's gonna seem godly. He's gonna have false signs and wonders, but he's a deceiver. But, but look at what Paul says. Paul says, but the mystery of lawlessness is already here. What is he saying? Same thing that John said. John says the Antichrist is coming, but the spirit of the Antichrist is already at work, right? There's a figure that's coming, but the spirit's already here. And the church, a lot of us, maybe we grew up in church, we've been so focused on a person, we've missed out the spirit. And there's a spirit of the Antichrist all over throughout history that has hated God, that has hated morals, values, and truth. And so Paul is saying, don't, don't worry about that, but the mystery is already happening of lawlessness. People who don't want law, I want to live however I want to live. I don't care about God's word. I don't care about God's church. And so he's basically telling the church of Thessalonica, hey, you get focused, you get firm, you get ready. End times are coming, but don't you lose your mind about this. And he starts to encourage the church of Jesus. First and second Thessalonians is all about encouragement. He says, I'm so proud of you. You're doing amazing. You're growing. You're thriving. You have team fest and growth track and baptism. It's going amazing. Don't worry about the end times. You are secure in Jesus. What are you losing your mind for? And he's actually in church, encouraging the church. We're part of something that Jesus is building that can no antichrist or antichrist spirits ever destroy. It's the church and family and body of Jesus. I'm a part of that, come on. This is not a corporation. This is not an organization. This is the body of Jesus Christ that he's building. And it's a powerful body. And Satan is trying to destroy it. And he's telling them, you stand firm. Three things to finish up. Number one, he wants to let them know, number one, the church is firm. The church is firm. Somebody shout firm. He, look what he tells them. Second Thessalonians, we read this just a few moments ago, but look, look at it one more time. Verses one and two. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together with him. In, in other words, concerning the last hour, the last times, brothers, don't be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Most of history tells us that the Thessalonians got a second letter before this letter. So this would be third Thessalonians. And that second letter was by a false pastor, a false teacher, putting the church in worry, telling them that the day of the Lord was already here. And this is why they were deceived. And they thought, oh my God, this is crazy. And so they were shaken up. History tells us that in AD 51 was a year of earthquakes around this region. So Paul is talking in their language and what they understand. Are you following me, church? And so Paul is saying, I know you've been shaken physically, but when it comes to the last hour, when it comes to end times, don't be shaken spiritually or alarmed by somebody who came with deceitfulness. I want you to stand firm 
This has to happen in the end times before Jesus comes. In the meantime, you stand firm in Christ. He says, don't be shaken. The church of Jesus Christ is firm. We're not unstable. We're not erratic. We're not confused. We're not lost. We're not worried. We're not stressed. We're not on Facebook saying it's Biden. We're not on Instagram saying it's Trump. We're not on Facebook saying it's the vaccine. We're not looking for barcodes. That's conspiracy theory. We're not a part of that. We're part of the church of Jesus Christ that is firm and secure, that trusts the word of God. I'm standing in hope. I'm standing in confidence. I'm standing on the word of God. I ain't worried. I ain't stressed. He's got me. I'm standing firm in the word. Can I get an amen? Come on, we're stable in him. Don't be part of those people who go, yo sabía que era Obama, es Obama, the Antichrist. He's saying, don't do that. That's weird. Don't be shaken or alarmed. It ain't what you think. I'm going to give you some clear stuff, but nobody knows when Jesus is coming back. In the meantime, stand firm. Stand firm. The previous chapter, he actually tells them, I know you're under pressure and persecution. That just shows that God needs to judge the world, and it shows that you're going to be counted worthy for the kingdom of God. Woo! Has God left me or abandoned me? No, he's testing your faith. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 4 through 5. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you. He's telling everybody about them. Woo, that church in Thessalonica, amazing. He says, I'm telling the churches about God and for your steadfastness and all faith and persecutions and the afflictions that you're enduring. This is evidence of the righteousness judgment of God that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are also suffering. What does that mean? That means that you standing through the test proves and shows that you are a legitimate Christian. I know you're under pressure. I know they're persecuting you. I know they throwing you out of homes. They don't let you do business because you're Christian. I know Nero hates all of us, but this shows you're worthy to be called a Christian because you stood firm. You're not a Christian because life is easy. You're not a Christian because all is roses and butterflies. You're not considered worthy because you made it when times were good. You're a Christian because you stood through the fire and you stood firm. Although they hated me, although they kicked me out, although they persecuted me, I stood in the fire and I did not fall and I did not break, but I stood as a soldier of Jesus Christ. And he's saying, you have stood through the fire. It means you're legitimate. That's literally what he's saying. Can you make it through the pressure? It's not that we work for salvation, but it proves our salvation. You're a believer in Jesus Christ. What happens when the winds of adversity come against you? Can you stand? Famous poet in 1991, MC Hammer said, I am too legit to quit. (laughs) Come on, we need some Christians that are too legit to quit. Oh, I know life has been hard. I know I may be broke. I know I probably got a bad doctor's report. I know my marriage probably didn't make it. I know my family's in dysfunction, but I'm too legit to quit. I ain't quitting on my faith. I ain't quitting on my God. I ain't quitting on the word. I ain't quitting on the church. I'm standing firm. I'm too legit to quit. I'm standing through the fire. I'm standing through persecution. I'm standing through hell and high water. I wish I had a few people. You've been through the fire. You've been through hell. You've been through hot water, but you're still standing. I made it, I'm making it, and I will make it in Jesus' name. Come on. We want this easy Christian life. And as soon as life gets tough, I'm down. I'm out. 
the church of Jesus Christ has always stood right back up. And he says, stand firm. I love what Ian Bounds says. The easy smile, the temperate temperament, the contented visage of successful and prosperous Christians get only but impress a few. But it's the determined faithfulness, the long-suffering fellowship, and the stalwart compassion of yoke folks in hardship. That's certain to convey the hope of grace to many. It's not us being successful and life being peachy and amazing that impresses people. It's standing through the fire. Paul says, hey, the church is firm. Don't you lose your mind. Don't you go down conspiracy rabbit holes on YouTube. Stand firm. Is it end times? Is it end times? Oh my God, there's rumors of war. There's end times, end times. We've been living in end times. Stand firm. Stand firm. The church has been persecuted. From AD 35 to 2022, there's 13 Christians dying every single day around the world. There's Christians today that can't meet in a church. They have to meet underground somewhere. The church has been persecuted. And if you think we're going to be okay, I would say in our generation or the next generation is coming to the church here in America. They will hate me for what I say. They will hate us for what we preach. Will you stand firm or walk away? When we stand for morals, when we stand for values, when we stand for life in the womb, when we stand for marriage, when we stand for family, when we stand for the truth of God's word, can you stand firm? Can you stand firm? Because the church of Jesus Christ is firm. Number two, not only is it firm, it's formed. He's basically saying persecution and pressure is making us better. And today we have a decision. Do you want to get better or do you want to get bitter? It's our decision today. He's forming us. He's shaping us. He's molding us. He's telling the church in Thessalonica, and I believe the church in South Miami today, hey, you are the clay in the potter's hands. And he's shaping you and he's molding you. And I know there's pressure, but that pressure comes to make you better. Second Thessalonians, what we just read just a moment ago, verses 13 through 15, we ought to always give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord. Because God chose you as first fruits to be saved. They were the first to be saved after Jesus resurrected through sanctification by the spirit and belief in the truth. Now that word sanctification, what does that mean? Sanctification means to be set apart and be called holy. And he's saying God is sanctifying us. He's taken us through a process called sanctification. He's sanctifying me and he's sanctifying you. What that means is every day he's making us more holy. He's working on us. He's challenging us. He's making us, I'm glad that God has not given up on me and said, Alex is a final product. No, he's working on me every day to make me better. And he sanctifies us through different processes. Number one, he sanctifies us through the word of God. This is why you got to be in your Bible every day. And I got to be in my Bible every day because as we read this, it's reading us. And he's saying, you got to change this attitude. You got to be a better disciple of Jesus. You got to watch your temper. You got to watch the way you treat your wife, your husband, your kids. How are you treating your friends? You better love your neighbor. Anybody thankful for the word of God? I know there's a bunch of Christians nowadays that we just like to skip through verses. Oh, I don't like that one. Skip, skip. John 3, 16. I love it. My favorite. <laughs> but it's like the word of God comes to sanctify us. Get up every day and you read some verses like, oof. Oh, hey, I, I can't get yell at my boss today. Give him a wave with one finger. I, I got to love him. 
Number one, through the word. Number two, through the spirit. The Bible says that it's the spirit of God that sanctifies us. It's the Holy Spirit. If you're not a believer in Jesus, at the end of the service, we're going to invite you to start a relationship with Jesus. When you do, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes inside of you. It's the spirit of God. and he, He convicts us when we're wrong. Have you ever done something wrong and all of a sudden you felt conviction? The 11 a.m. is holy, maybe the 1 p.m., but, but some of us know what we're talking about, right? You do something wrong, you say something you're not supposed to, see something you're not supposed to, all of a sudden you're like, ah, oh, man, I should have not done that. It's the process of sanctification. The Holy Spirit, he calls you out. Number one, the word, number two, the spirit, and number three, the body. Body of believers, brothers and sisters is how we're sanctified. Right? It's when... When we have an argument with somebody in church or maybe we're sitting next to somebody in church we don't necessarily like and they rub us the wrong way and they're annoying and, and you can say, I'm done with the church. The pandemic left a lot of people at home. They're at the malls or at the clubs or at restaurants but they didn't come back to church. Can I tell you, you need to be in church to be a believer and a Christian because we need each other. Iron sharpens iron. So if you're in bed, get out of bed. Join us for the next service, <laughs> right? We need each other. It's the way he sanctifies us. You're sitting next to somebody today you don't necessarily like. You need him. You need her. Hopefully it's not your spouse, but you need them. (laughs) Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 through 27. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, that's a good part to say amen. As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might, that he might, come on church, that he might. Jesus wants to sanctify the church. Same thing that Paul says in 2 Thessalonians, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle and any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. In other words, God is sanctifying his church. He's forming his church. The church is firm. The church is formed. And we'll finish with this. The church is focused. Church is focused. This series isn't for us to go crazy about antichrist everywhere. It's for us to be aware, and awareness should make you focused. Are you focused today? Are you living focused? Are you living how God wants you to live? Are you loving your family well? Are you taking care of your neighbors? Church, the body of believers, is not just church attendance. It's how we live Monday through Saturday as well. And so Paul, he wants to call them out. Remember, a lot of them thought Jesus was coming back immediately, and they started quitting their jobs. Alex, I don't believe that. Read it. Second Thessalonians. They literally stopped working. They, they were literally sitting down like, Jesus is coming any moment. They're looking up. Jesus is coming any moment. While their families are not being fed, while nobody's building the church, while nobody's taking care of neighbors. And Paul's like, hey, hey, hey. What are you doing? Stop getting online and looking at all these conspiracy theories. Like, get off of YouTube and go get a job. Literally. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 11 through 13. Yet we hear that some of you are living idle lives. What is, what is another word for idle? Lazy. Some of you are lazy, refusing to work, and you're meddling in other people's business. Got nothing to do with your time, so now you're going into everybody's business, showing them YouTube videos, talking about who's the Antichrist. Verse 12, we command such people, and we urge them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, settle down. <laughs> Calm down, church. Calm down. Stop sending YouTube videos about the beast. (laughs) Stop sending YouTube videos of this and that. Focus on your calling. Calm down. Settle down and work to earn a living. Like, go get a job, Paul says. You got to be responsible. 
This is the church of Jesus Christ. We're, we're not conspiracy theorists. We're not, we're not weird. We're not in like corners talking about the beast is here. It's not the church of Jesus Christ. The church of Jesus Christ is firm, is formed, and is focused on the mission. It says go work to earn their own living. As for the rest of you, dear brothers and sisters, never get tired of doing good. Come on, that's the church of Jesus. Never get tired of doing good. Never get tired of doing good. Jesus is coming soon. In the meantime, I'm going to do what's good. I'm going to love my wife well. I'm going to love my family well. I'm going to love my church community well. I'm going to love my neighbors. I'm going to forgive well. I'm going to help well. I'm going to give well. I'm going to be generous. I'm going to take care of our community. Come on, never get tired of doing good. Never. Keep going, church. The Antichrist spirit has been here. Be aware of it in your own life. Be aware of the teachings that you hear. But, but don't go crazy about this. He's building his church, and you and I are part of his church. I got a question for you today. How are you building the church of Jesus Christ? We all should be doing good, doing well. First Peter tells us in chapter 4, verse 10, each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. He's gifted me, he's gifted you with different talents and gifts. How are you using your talents and gifts to build the church of Jesus Christ? Here's what I know, the Roman Empire went down, but the church of Jesus is still here. Emperors have gone into the grave, but the church of Jesus is still here. Every single time there's been persecution against the church of Jesus Christ, it's come to make us better, not bitter. Today, there's over 2 billion Christians all around the world. We're still standing because we might have been knocked down, but we've never been knocked out. That's what Jesus says he will build. That's what Jesus says he will build. Today, are you a part of what Jesus is building? I'll finish with this last quote from Charles Spurgeon who preached in the 1800s, known as one of the greatest preachers of all time. Pastor Charles Spurgeon said, do you hate the church? hate on. It will never be moved by all your hate. Do you threaten to crush it? It will crush you, but you shall never injure it. Do you despise and laugh at the church? Ah, the day is coming when the laugh shall be on the other side. Wait a little while, and when her master shall suddenly come in his glory, then shall it be seen whose side is the victory, and who were the fools that laughed. I'm part of the church of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you. Can I tell you today? I'm not building government. I'm not building policy. I'm, not, I'm building the church of Jesus Christ. Jesus says he will build the church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I'm part of that church, the church that Jesus is building. He's the pastor, he's the captain, he's the leader. We're following him. We're firm, we're formed, and we're focused. Can I get an amen? Come on, let's stand up to our feet all across this place. If you're willing and you're able to, get up on your feet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, can we lift up our hands today? Can we thank God for the church of Jesus Christ? Come on, are anybody thankful for the church? Come on, why don't you start blessing the churches in our city? Why don't you start blessing the churches all around the globe and say, God, strengthen your church. 
some closed their doors down and some have gone bankrupt and some have fallen away but the church is still being built and the gates of hell will not prevail against it come on god we bless every single church we bless the church of jesus around the world god right now we pray for the christians being persecuted in china in north korea in nigeria we pray for martyrs modern day martyrs that are laying their lives down on the line today for the gospel strengthen them help them god we know that the antichrist spirit the mystery of lawlessness is already here god we pray that you give us strength in jesus name boldness in jesus name that your church continues to be firm formed and focused firm formed and focused in jesus name we bless the church with every eye closed every head bowed we're leaving in just a moment i'm gonna ask for a moment of privacy and prayer i would love to invite you if today you're still not a part of the family of god around the world if you feel far from god distant from god somebody invited you or you're watching for the first time i want to tell you god loves you so much and maybe you're thinking there's no way that god wants anything to do with me i've done so much wrong i've messed up maybe you're thinking alex i got sin in my life and guilt and shame it's driving you crazy. I want to tell you, all of us are sinners. I'm a sinner, you're a sinner, and our sin does separate us from God. But the Bible says that Jesus came and he grabbed my sin, your sin. He went up on a cross and Jesus died for the sins of humanity. With every eye closed, with every head bowed, maybe today there is sin in your life. Maybe today you are distant from God. I got good news, Jesus came and died for you. He paid the ultimate price for sin so that you and I wouldn't die but have eternal life. Today, if you don't know Jesus, I would love for you to start a relationship with Jesus. God loves you, God is for you, God is with you. Maybe you're saying, Alex, I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna change some things in my life and then I'll come to God. That's not how it works. We come to God and then he changes us. You don't need to get right to come to God. You come to God to then get right. Whenever your eye closed, every head bowed in a moment of prayer and privacy, I want to pray for those people that, that today you're saying, Alex, I need Jesus. Alex, today I need a brand new beginning. I know I got sin in my life. I don't know where you've been. I don't know what you've done. I don't know what you did last night, last week, last month. Here's what I know. He loves you and he's for you. Jesus died for our sin, went into a grave, was dead for three days. But after three days, Jesus Christ, he resurrected. Jesus is alive today and he's giving new life, mercies. He's giving forgiveness so that all who call on his name will be saved. With every eye closed, every head bowed. If today you're here and you say, Alex, I need Jesus. Alex, I need forgiveness. Alex, I need a brand new start. I'm gonna count to three. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. I'm not gonna call you out. I'm not gonna embarrass you. Every eye closed, every head bowed. I'm the only one looking around. I wanna see who I'm praying for. Hold your hand up for a few seconds and then you can put your hand back down. If that's you, if you're saying, I need forgiveness. I need Jesus. I want a relationship with this God. I wanna be part of the church that he's building. The count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand as high as you can, as high as you can. Hands raised up everywhere. I see you, 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 I see you. Amazing, amazing. Put your hands back down. I'm gonna say a simple prayer. And Pastor Phil's gonna come up here and tell you about a gift we have for you and gonna wrap up service. Come on, with every eye closed, every head bowed. Come on, it's one big family, one big community. Why don't we say this together? We're saying this prayer out loud. The Bible says if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we shall be saved. 
So I want you to repeat this prayer after me, the whole church out loud. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. Today I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God, that you died for my sin, and on the third day, you resurrect. Tell him, Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. From today on, I'm forgiven, I'm saved, and I'm healed. In Jesus' name.